0: Welcome to this presentation from the Downey Seventh-day Adventist Church. We are located in the greater Los Angeles area at 9820 Lakewood Boulevard in Downey, California. We would love to have you worship with us any Saturday you are in our area. Today's message is The Promise. Now, here's Bill Almack. Dr. R.C. Sproul was a famous or semi-famous radio preacher and he also taught at the local university and one semester he tells the story about he had a Old Testament class with two hundred and fifty freshmen in it in his syllabus he clearly set forth the requirements for the class there would be three small papers due September 30th, October 30th, and November 30th. One paper each. And this was a major part of your grade. And if the paper was not turned in at class on that day, you got an F. Unless you were in the hospital or dead. So September 30th runs or comes around. And he has 225 papers turned in. And 25 students are there, trembling in fear, begging for mercy. Please don't give us an F. Please give us a little bit of grace. We need an extension. Okay, the professor relented. I'll let it go this time. But remember, October 30th, your paper is due. We'll have it done on time, we promise. October 30th rolls around. This time, 50 students don't have their papers in. They plead with excuses. It was homecoming. Please give us another chance. Just a few more days, they begged. He says, okay, just one more chance. But remember, November 30th. The class broke out into song. We love you, Professor Sproul. Oh, yes, we do. Dr. Sproul claims that for the next 30 days, he was the most popular professor on campus. They all loved him. November 30th came, and a hundred students didn't have their paper done. Where are your papers? Dr. Sproul demanded. Hey, professor, don't worry about it. We'll get it done in a few days, came the relaxed reply. The professor takes out his grading book. Johnson, where's your paper? I don't have it. F. Greenwood, where's your paper? I don't have it. F. Dr. Sproul says the response was unmitigated fury. That's not fair, they claimed. They said, I want to be fair and just. You didn't have your paper done last time either, did you? No. Well, you get an F for that one too. Who else wants justice? No, no, no. Dr. Sproul wraps up his story by saying, by the third time, they had not only assumed they would get grace, they demanded it. They had become accustomed to grace. We live in an age of grace. And God has been so gracious to us that sometimes we take it for advantage. And instead, we say, why do bad things happen to me? Instead of saying, why has God been so kind to me? Speeding tickets are a great example. You ever had somebody tell you that, man, a cop stopped me, but he let me off. He didn't give me a ticket. And instead of thinking, that's great, I'm happy for you, you're thinking, man... A cop never lets me off. I get the ticket every single time. C.S. Lewis says that in his book, Mere Christianity, that many times we resent when other people are shown grace. Why would we be like that? Why would we resent that somebody else is shown grace? But it's true. We do. Cuz many times see we we are we resent the grace that somebody else gets to cover their sins but we're not upset when it covers our mistakes. Right? Other people sin, we make mistakes. Right? Open your Bibles with me to Galatians chapter 3. We're continuing our series. Today's message is called The Promise. And we're going to be talking about grace. Remember the first two chapters of Galatians. Paul has been establishing his authority as a leader, as who he is, that God has called him, that the message he has is from God, that all the apostles agree with it. and So he's been really establishing his authority and who he is and the authority of this message. And Paul's been telling the churches of Galatia that we are not saved by the law, but by grace. This is something that's been difficult for them to comprehend. If you missed the first two weeks, go check them out on our website at downeychurch.org, And let's dive right in today. Galatians chapter 3, verses 1 to 3. It says, You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law, or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning by means of the Spirit, you are now trying to finish by means of the flesh. Now Paul's pretty hard on the Galatian churches right here. Because, you know, if we call somebody foolish, that's really not much of a slight. We have better words to use or worse, as the case may be. But foolish was a very difficult thing to call somebody back then, because it meant that you were unwise, and you just weren't thinking. And to be foolish was was not good. So Paul says, you're foolish. When I came and I told you this message, you were apart from Christ. You were the Gentiles. You were not Jews. And you believed this message. And now you're saying, believing's not enough, I've got to earn it with some works. Paul's going, that's ridiculous. You can't do that. You can't start out by believing and end it up by doing the works. And their actions were really not very responsible. Going on in verse uh, 7, he says, Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announced the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Now, Abraham believed and trusted God. Abraham didn't have any law. It hadn't been given yet. He didn't follow the law. didn't exist. He just trusted God and believed. And God accepted Abraham simply because Abraham trusted God. Now, the Jews claim that Abraham is their father, and he is. The Jewish nation came through Abraham. And so they're very proud of the fact that that Abraham's their father. And Paul's saying, listen, all nations were blessed through him. If you believe in Christ Jesus, you are part of Abraham's family. This is a spiritual family, and anybody who believes like Abraham and has faith in God is part of the family now i 'm sure any Jews listening to that were struggling because this has been what sets them apart. They were Jews by blood. We hold on to this this is this is us right you could go on TV now you can tell these people I want you to get DNA. Testing done so you can figure out what people you belong to. Linda's been trying to get me to do it. I'm like, Heinz 57 Varieties, baby. <laughs> it's 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 a big mess. Family's been in America a long time. I you know. I think that the, the the test would probably blow up. They go, hey, he's one of everything. But they want us to see what are we a part of, and, and the Jews called, you know, held on to that. That was a point of pride to them. Abraham's our father, and Paul comes along and says, "Dude, if you believe in Jesus, Abraham's your father." This was mind blowing to them that you could do this. Verses 15 and 16, he continues, and he says, Brothers and sisters, let me take an example from everyday life. Just as no one can set aside or add to a human covenant that has been duly established, so it is in this case. The promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. The Scripture does not say, and seeds, meaning many people, but to you and your seed, meaning one person, who is Christ. Okay. The church and the people in Galatia knew about keeping a contract, right? Most of us here have probably signed a contract at some point in our lives. We buy a house, right? If you ever bought a house, how many pieces of paper do you have to sign to buy a house? My hand hurt by the time I was done, right? I mean, they bring out this sheaf of papers. you got to sign this, sign this, sign this. After you make that contract and that agreement, you can't go back and change it. Say, oh, you know what? I'd really like to add this to it. And it doesn't work that way, right? Once you've made the contract, it's set. And the people of the time knew it. And so he says, listen, you cannot set aside or add to a human covenant a contract that has been duly established. Right? We know this to be true. And he says the same thing is true here. The promise that God spoke to Abraham is not set aside. It's a promise. It's a contract. Nothing can change it. And so God made this promise to Abraham and his seed, Jesus. Jesus. Jesus is eventually born as a Jew from the lineage of Abraham. And he says that I made this contract to Abraham and his seed. All right. He explains what he means by this. Verses 17 and 18. What I mean is this the law introduced 430 years later. does not set aside the covenant previously established by God, and thus do away with the promise for if inheritance depends on the law, then it no longer depends on the promise, but God, in his grace, gave it to Abraham through a promise okay again, Paul saying that nothing could change god 's promise. When I first read this, I said, it has to be more than 430 years from the time of Abraham to the time the law is given uh, on Mount Sinai, right? That seems like it's a long time. So I went out and I did some research. And it turns out Paul really knows his stuff. It actually is longer than 430 years from the time God gives Abraham Uh, his promise to the time that God gives Moses the thing. It's about 645 years. Okay? But, God repeats that promise several times. To Abraham, and then to Jacob, and then, I mean to Isaac, and then to Jacob. The last time that he repeats it to Isaac is 430 years. So Paul knew his stuff. And he's saying, from the last time God repeated that promise, it was 430 years before he gave the law. The promise precedes the law. See, the false teachers in Galatia said, you have to obey the law to be saved. And Paul says, God told Abraham... He was saved. He didn't even have the law. You are not saved by the law. God's blessing does not come to you because you obey. That's hard for us to hear. Because we've been taught our whole lives, Be good. Do the right thing. And Paul says, God does not bless you because you obey. God blesses you because you believe. That's hard to hear. Abraham did not earn God's blessing. God chose Abraham because God is kind And because Abraham believed in God. Verse 19. Why then was the law given at all? Great question. It was added because of transgressions until the seed whom the promise referred had come. The law was given through angels and entrusted to a mediator. See, the law shows what God's standards are. Before God gave the law, did people sin? Yes. Did they know it? Not really most of the time. Because there was nothing that told them what sin was. I didn't have a law. If there was no speed limit law, that would be just wonderful. (laughs) A police officer couldn't give you a ticket for going too fast. Now, somebody might say you're going too fast, but you wouldn't have broken the law. By the way, it didn't take very long from the time cars were invented till we had speed limits. Drat. See, we were sinning, we just didn't know it. And so God gives the law and says, "Look, this is the standard." It points out how desperately we need a savior. It points out, dude, you can't do this. This is impossible. You can't accomplish it. You need some help. You need a Savior. Without the law, you're never aware of that. Now it's interesting. It says it was added because of transgressions. God needed to show us what His standard was and to reveal the character of man and how far it was away from God's standard. But secondly, the law had a limited lifetime. It says, until the seed whom the promise referred had come. When does the law end? What's it say? When Christ comes. Now some of you are sitting here going, "Wait a minute. My whole life, I've going to Sabbath school and church, and they've been telling me, you've got to keep the Ten Commandments. And you're telling me it ended. What does that mean? How do you, how do you balance those two things? I want to point out two things, or three things actually. The the promise is the most important thing for three reasons. Number one, it came first. The promise that God makes to Abraham comes first, has the highest priority. God did that for a reason. That comes first. The law is added to it and is subordinate to it. It's like our Constitution that's primary we have some amendments we added to it they're not as important as the first thing okay the law secondly is temporary it only exists until the seed comes until Christ comes and third it was the promise was given directly to Abraham The law is given to us through a mediator, Moses and the angels. We don't really know what role the angels play in giving the law, but the Bible refers to it several times, that the angels were involved in giving the law. And so it comes through a mediator. It doesn't come direct like the promised Abraham does. And so Paul says, listen, that promise is the most important thing. The law is secondary. It only existed for for a short time. it only meant something for a while. Had there been no law, we wouldn't realize that we needed a savior okay going on verses twenty one is the law therefore opposed to the promise of God? Absolutely not. This is why we still keep the law. For if the law had been given that could impart life, then righteousness would have come from the law. But Scripture has locked up everything under the control of sin, so that what was promised, being given through faith in Jesus Christ, might be given to those who believe." All right. See, God's law would be opposite of the promise if you could get to heaven by keeping the law. Because the promise says that's how you get to heaven, by God's grace. And if you could keep the law and get to heaven, then they would be opposite of each other. But the law doesn't say that. Only the promise claims that that's how you get to heaven. So they are not opposed to each other. They go together, okay? They go together. The function of the law is to show us what sin is. Jesus Christ came to free us from our sins, and when people realize this, they trust Jesus, and then they receive the blessings that God has promised. Verses 23, it says, Before the coming of this faith, we were held in custody under the law. We were locked up until faith that was to come would be revealed. So the law was our guardian until Christ came that we might be justified by faith. Now this faith has come, and we are no longer under a guardian. The people in Galatia at the time, if you were wealthy enough, you had slaves. And one of the trusted slaves would be given charge of the children. And this slave would guard the children on the way to and from school, make sure the kids were safe, make sure they got to school on time, make sure they did their homework. That would have been handy to have a few years ago. Made sure the kids learned their lessons, made sure the kids got good grades. And this, this guardian for the kids did their job. But at some point, the kid grows up. And he doesn't need the guardian anymore. See what Paul's saying? We have this law. It points out the way you ought to behave. It teaches you something. But at some point you grow up. Does that mean everything you learned is null and void? No. It's still good stuff. But you decide whether or not you're going to keep it. You decide whether or not you're going to follow it. Okay? last thing I want to look at here is verses 26 and 29, because I love how this chapter ends. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ, have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. This is good news. This is really good news. See, that middle sentence there is key. There's neither Jew nor Gentile. It doesn't matter whether you were born into the church and whether you can say, daddy was a preacher and his daddy was a preacher and the daddy before him was a preacher. Or whether you can say, man, I'm a, I just got converted last week. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what color your skin might be or what language you might speak. It doesn't matter if you're slave or free, whether your status in society is low or whether your status is high. It doesn't matter whether you're male or female, because in some parts of the world, females don't have the same rights that males have. And Paul's saying whatever your earthly situation is and whatever your status is in this world doesn't really matter. God's concerned about where you're going to spend eternity. And when you belong to Christ then you are part of Abraham's seed and part of the heirs of the promise. It doesn't matter if you are the lowest of the low or the highest of the high. You can be heirs of the seed and the promise. This is good news this we have friends that need to hear this i was talking to a guy at work a couple years back we were talking about reading the bible and he says i can't read the bible yet i'm not good enough it's a holy book so now i've got to improve myself before i can read that book no 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 this book was written for the people that are not holy enough that's what it's for. We have friends that need to hear this. We have family members that need to hear this. Because all our lives we've been told, you got to behave. Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't do this. And then God will love you. And that's a lie. Well-meaning people told us that. But it is a lie God loves you no matter what God doesn't always love your actions and he gave us a law to show us how our actions are not good sometimes and that law is useful to determine what we ought to do and what we not or we shouldn't do but it is not what saves you The thief on the cross didn't do anything to get saved. And God saves him anyway. Why? Because God loves you. Good news. Good news. Let's share that with somebody this week, hey? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank You so much for this good news, Lord. So many times we've been told or we feel like we have to do something. And it's good to do the things, Lord, that You impress on us. But help us never to get confused and realize that that's not how we earn our salvation. We earn our salvation because You are kind and You are gracious. And Lord, we are incredibly thankful for that because most of us have a hard time keeping the law for one day Lord let alone our whole lives be with us Lord help us to understand the grace that you have shown us help us to encourage the folks around us to understand the grace you have shown us Lord Not to abandon the law and just run wild and do whatever. But to understand that your grace is there to cover up for us, Lord. Be with us now, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We hope you have been blessed by this message from the Downey Seventh-day Adventist Church. You can find more messages at www.downeychurch.org. God bless.